heating material, uh, have started to kind of discover a few things regarding uh, my own spiritual life. And like many of my talks, this also includes a quote from the Shawshank Redemption, which is, the title is, Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying. And uh, I'll, exp I'll, uh, expan I'll expand on that a little bit later. <coughs> and the subtitle is The Hidden Battles of a Busy Life. So just, just to get a quick survey here, uh, and I, I think I probably already know the answer, but like who here would describe their life as a busy life? just by a show of hands, like, right? I, I certainly have a busy life that's gotten busier approximately five months ago. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, okay? It's a lot of uh, stuff. It's work in some cases. For some of us, it may be school, sports, activities, competitions, applying for college for the high school folks here, some of them in the earlier part of, or prepping for the SAT or ACT, even though that's not a thing anymore apparently. But uh, it's, it's a busy life, family life, church life, right? Church is part of that. Church can make things busy for us. Coming on Sunday, uh, you know, servants meetings and uh, servant prep and hymns classes and all this stuff that we do in church contributes to that. Uh, and then just the day-to-day, -day, some of the stuff we self-inflict on ourselves. Um, and so I wanted to take a little bit of a, a closer look at these things. to take a little bit closer look at some of these things and just kind of state for the record that the world has gotten increasingly interconnected, increasingly complicated, increasingly confusing, and increasingly busy. And uh, in some regards, it's not a bad thing. It, you know, we know that idle hands do the devil's work. So if you're just sitting doing nothing, oftentimes, you know, y sin can come upon you, various traps, various pitfalls in life. If you're not busy if you're lazy and lethargic, but on the other side of the coin is the super busy life that many of us lead right now. And, <coughs> um, you know, like we talked about, you can be buried under a heap of things like jobs, school, sports, activities, etc. And, you know, we just in our men's book club started this book called uh, The New Media Epidemic. It's by a orthodox writer. And, you know, Part of what was brought up in this book is that this also can contribute to the busyness of our lives. And, you know, I, th I, I think, and I'll talk a little bit more about this a little later, is that some of this is, is a result of what we do to ourselves with these new devices, with new apps, new, new things like that. It's not the cause of anything, it's a symptom of the disease, right? So we've made ourselves busier and busier over time. and. Uh, the media, devices, et cetera, just kind of magnify that, that problem for us, right? 
So Socrates, not a Christian dude, but he, he, he stated back in the day that beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Pretty insightful for a guy back there who, I don't know, maybe by today's standards wouldn't be considered overly busy, but um, certainly busy enough where he, he discovered this. And, and it's interesting to think of a life filled with things being barren. Uh, and the question is, what exactly did he mean by this? Can, is it possible to have such a busy life, so many things going on, that when you actually examine the quality of your life or the substance of your life, it's actually barren. It's actually without fruit. It's without uh, something that you can hold on to and say, this is, this is good. <clears throat> and so busyness uh, can lead to burnout and indifference. And in 1 Peter uh, 5, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, and, you know, a lot of us, when we think about our spiritual battles, we think about our war with the devil. And a lot of times we default on, oh, he gets us to sin, right? And we talked about a little bit about this the last talk I gave, is that that's not the end game for the devil. He doesn't necessarily care if you sin or not. He cares is, is if you're with God or not, right? And so the question is, uh, what is what is the goal of Satan with committing us to busy lives? And is it the goal of Satan to commit us to a busy life? Can it be? And again, I'm not saying that being busy with things is bad. As a matter of fact, in many cases, in most cases, it's a good thing to have things to do and to have commitment to things and fidelity with those things. But we have to understand that if we think that, the, the, that Satan's end game is to get us removed from God, he can use a busy life to do this. And again, like I'm a kind of a broken record at times, but I refer back to the Screwtape Letters, which is a book uh, written by C.S. Lewis, a Christian author, who talks about how the devil basically tricks us into getting further and further away from God. And many points in this book, it's a really cool read, um, you know, if, if you sit down and, and kind of delve into it. A lot of it's just trickery, getting us to take our mind off God in various ways, getting us to take mind off people in various ways. And one of the ways he does this is by making us busy. If we're too busy doing different things, we don't at some point have time for God. We don't at some point have time for other people. And that's really the point of this talk. Um, there's going to be two, two avenues here that we're going to look at. The first avenue is, what does it mean, how does this busyness affect our relationship with God? That's not going to be today. That may be the next, the next talk. But the, the, the talk today is, how does this busyness affect our relationship with each other, right? And first, is that, is that important that it affects our relationship with others? And, uh, <coughs> you know, once you get to a point of being busy, 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 at some point uh, you can feel defeated or overwhelmed, and that can cause something called burnout. A lot of people in their jobs, especially in their jobs, experience this. Some people in like really tough academic settings experience this. They just get burned out. They can't do it anymore. There's too much going on, and they just feel incapacitated. They feel like dead, right? And at that point, you just become, you're existing, you're not living. You're just kind of floating through your day, you wake up in the morning, go through your day, and before you know it, 
It's nighttime, you go to bed and you re repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And that's, that's uh, one of the things that a busy life can cause. It can cause you to feel just kind of dead, right? Um, and so, <coughs> and, that, and, and spiritually, that's important because if we feel dead spiritually, then Satan has achieved his goal. He has separated us from God, right? So, um, moving on, uh, something has to give, right? There has to, there's, there's a straw that breaks the camel's back at some point, right? Where you get to that point of burnout or that point of deje dejection or despondency where you can't even manage to, to be active or to, to be vibrant, to be alive. And um, it's a crossroads at point. At some point you have to come, you, you know, hopefully you come to that realization that I'm, I'm buried under this stuff. And this happened to me recently. I got to the point where I was doing too many things and I just said, like, I, I'm just kind of floating through life and just not really living life. It's just kind of, there's a new thing, a new responsibility, a new commitment, a new thing. And again, a lot of these things are good. A lot of these things are family, church, uh, you know, my responsibilities at work. They're good things, but at some point, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back in my case, I'll get to a little bit later. And it's not, it's not Jonathan. <laughs> he was more like an anvil, but no, but, but, no, but uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't my newborn son. Uh, but I'll tell you what it was in a little bit here. And so, again, we're not going to focus on the relationship with God today. We're going to focus on the relationship with others. And I guess, um, you know, as it's as said in the Shawshank Redemption, it comes down to a simple, simple choice, really, get busy living or get busy dying. And, you know, I, I got to the point where I said, th th this enough of this, like I'm done feeling dead all the time. I need to, I need to revive myself. I need to feel, you know, through the grace of God, I need to start living again. <coughs> and so the reason why I think it's important to focus on these two aspects is because these are the two commandments in our faith that God gives us, right? You know, people complicate things a lot. Orthodoxy has a lot of rites and rituals. They're beautiful, they're edifying, they help us get closer to God in many cases. Um, they're, they're meant to do it. There's high theology that we can go to. Um, people can be extremely learned on certain topics. I'm not one of those people, by the way, but like you can get people who are extremely learned on many topics, but it's not, there has to be a heart to it, right? And the heart of our faith is two things. The heart of our faith really boils down to our love for God and our love for each other. It's a relational faith, period. It's a faith of relationship. It's a faith of your relationship with God, and it's a faith of your relationship with his creation. And it's, it's I mean, to me, it's really that simple. And so we look at these two elements of of our faith and that's why our relationships with others is so vital it's second only to our relationship with god right and it's a, it's a it's a it's a faith even monks even monastics have relationships within the monastery and through prayer with with the rest of the world so even somebody who we look at as oh he's a monk he's super spiritual super holy even that person relies on his relation his his relationship or her relationship in the case of of our of our nuns, her relationship with God, and also with with each other. Um, and so, you know, let's look at 
just a couple passages to me that really point this, this out. Um, and so the first is from uh, Matthew, and it's re regarding our relationship with others. And I want us to, to look at this in two ways, okay? There's, our, there's th think of w two things, right? We all know salt of the earth, if the salt loses flavor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out foot underfoot by men. We put a light on a basket, it, it gives light to all who are within the house. We don't put it under, under a basket. These are, these are adages and verses that we have committed to heart over the years. We hear it all the time in church, right? And what does that mean to be the salt of the earth? Or what does it mean to be a light on, onto somebody else? It simply means to reflect Christ to them. So if somebody sees you, and none of us are like this completely, but if somebody sees you, they should see the image of Christ in you, right? As through your good works, through your good deeds, but also how you treat them, right? It's how you treat the people around you that, that matters. And um, a lot of us have gotten into the habit of just kind of being s in relationships on surfaces. I come to church, I say hi to this guy, I don't really mean it, I'm just being friendly. He goes home with his wife and yeah, I saw Peter today, but it, you know, he said hi. Well, that's, that's nice, but that's not a relationship. That's Instagram, right? That's, that's the Instagram relationship that we should be kind of avoiding. The relationship, and you know, you, have to, you don't want to be a freak either. You don't want to go up to somebody and like get all up in their grill and in their face and be obnoxious about it, but we need to be making connections that are deeper than just hello, goodbye, how was your day? Oh, it's really nice outside. These are not relationships. Relationships are founded on exchange between people uh, and, and care and kindness and trust and love that people sh show, show each other. And that's when people see Christ in you. Christ was extremely intentional, right, um, in, his, in his relationships. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, when somebody looks at you, do they see Jesus in the mirror? Do they see some image of Christ in the mirror? And that's... that's Part of the foundation of a successful relationship is to, is, is to have somebody be able to see some element of Christ in you. Again, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But is there a likeness there? Is there something that somebody can say, yeah, he, he showed love and compassion towards me today? That's Christ. You know, he, he cared enough about to call me today, right? He reached out to me. He didn't just snicker at you know, I, I, I fell in the, the mud outside after it rained, and he didn't snicker at me. He helped, he, he helped me up, right? We need to be able to see Christ in you. Now, on the flip side of that, and what I think to me is just as important, is we need to see Christ in others, right? So not only looking, those looking at us seeing Christ, but we need to see Christ in others. And the famous verse, verses about this are also in the Gospel of Matthew, the least of these my brethren. You know, I was, uh, you know, come, O blessed, to my Father, uh, inherit the kingdom of prepared for you from the foundations of the world, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was strained, I was a stranger, and you clothed, you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you <coughs> sick or in 
prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And a lot of people talk about this verse in the context of service. Like this is a verse that says we should go help the homeless, we should go feed the sick, we should go visit the prisoner. But more at baseline than that, the root of it is that we see Christ in those people, right? And so somebody who may not be very nice to you, somebody who may be in passing, this is our invitation to engage them as, as a substantive person, as somebody that means something, not just you know some guy at the gas station or some guy, some guy at the grocery store or so, something like that. This is, you know, these are, these are images of Christ in front of us. And when we recognize that Christ is in front of us, you know, that's why I love that second, that second picture on the bottom of the, the homeless gentleman with the, the projection of Christ in, in back of him. You know, you know, you come and give, you come and approach this person in, in charity, that's great. It's, 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 it's lovely to do that. But it's more important that we recognize that this is the image of Christ. This is Christ sitting in front of us, not just a homeless man who we're helping, right? It's not a, it's not a cause, it's a person. It's the image of God, right? And so both we look at it as those looking at us, can they see Christ? But when we look at others, do we see Christ? And I've tried this a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I have a job where I see a lot of people on a daily basis. You know, one at a time, one at a time they come in and I, I, I get to interact with them. And my day is quite different when I sit there and just look at them as somebody who's running through a mill who I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to do my job and help them. But it's quite different when I look for Christ in them. And the, the interaction is more meaningful. It's, it's more beautiful. It's more, uh, they feel it more. Um, and it's, it's something to try. So on, on your day-to-day, -day, try to be more intentional about seeing Christ in other people. It's not just somebody you're interacting with, right? <coughs> so relationships require presence and attention. And full disclosure, this is <coughs> a major weakness of mine, uh, especially recently, maybe in the last couple years. And the culprit, unfortunately for me, is this. This is the culprit, right? And it's sad. It's sad that, you know, that top picture is, <coughs> you could probably swap my face out with one of my children, right? And it's, it's pathetic that, that you can do that, that, that I, would, I would, you know, I would trade a, a relationship with my child for a couple minutes on, on my cell phone. And we do this, and we don't do it, we don't do it because we want to be mean or we want to be distant or anything like that. I mean, part of it uh, becomes an addiction, but part of it is just because we're so busy, it's, it's a solace for us. We run to it because it's mindless dopamine surges. It's, it's mindless gratification, right? I just had a really busy day. I came home from work. You know, to really sit down with one of my children and pay attention to them and give them what they deserve and what they need takes time and effort and energy. And guess what? When I get home from work, I don't have it, right? So what do I do? I pick up the phone and I scroll through. It's much easier to see what uh, Henry ate for dinner last night or, you know, like as if that's important to anybody but Henry, you know? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Henry. I really, I, I love those posts. No, Henry doesn't even, <laughs> Henry's not even on there, so. But, um, uh, but you know what I mean? It's, it becomes, uh, it becomes, I don't have the time, energy, 
or wherewithal to dedicate that time to my kids, so I resort to my phone, and it becomes an addiction. It becomes my go-to. So um, we have to be aware of that. Or the bottom picture where it's <coughs> the bottom picture where it's the the couple out to dinner, you know, and I. You just go out to dinner, you see this all over the place, right? And sometimes, you know, I get a nudge like, put your, cell, put your cell phone away, we're out to dinner. This is like the one time we've been out in like nine years now. No. <laughs> That's Emily's age. But <laughs> it's the one time we've been out <clears throat> in years and you're, on your, and you're on your cell phone. But you see it all the time, it's rampant. Or you go to a coffee shop and there's two high school kids or two junior high kids on their phones. They're not even talking to each other, but they're, they're sharing memes and stuff like that's a relationship. It's not. It's not a relationship, high schoolers. Yeah, no. <clears throat> so we have, to be more, we have to be more aware and we have to be, uh, and, and, and what's, our, what's our example of this? Our example of this is Christ. Christ was extremely intentional. <clears throat> I mean, picture Christ going to meet Fiatini, the Samaritan woman, at the well, and then if he just popped out his cell phone and started scrolling through, through things, needless to say, I don't think St. Fiatini would have been converted. I don't think she would have gained anything from that interaction. But Christ was purposeful. He went to her. He saw the, the likeness of God in her. And he approached that and cared for it and loved it. And that's what caused the, the change in her life. That's what caused the change in her relationship. Now, we're not all going to, you know, bring people to Christ th through that relationship. But you may be surprised. You might. You just might. Um, and <clears throat> that's an example for us. And, you know, anybody who's seen the series The Chosen, they do a really nice job of showing that side of Christ. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, it, he's very relatable. He approaches people very intentionally, and he, he, he focuses on them, and they feel like they're the most important person in the room. And, of course, we know that's what Christ was like. If, if the creator and God was standing in front of you and he was talking to you, you're the most important person at that moment in the universe. And, and if we can give people that kind of feeling, even for a second, it's very valuable. So... That's, and if you look at all uh, many of the miracles Christ performed in the gospel, he approaches somebody individually, the blind man, the, 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 man, the man with leprosy. It's a very personal approach, a very intentional approach where he goes up to them. Don't, don't you think Christ could have just stood there in front of multitudes and snapped his fingers and said, you guys are all healed? He could have done that, but he didn't do that. That's not the way that he performed his miracles. In some cases, yes, feeding the multitudes, but when it was a personal miracle, he personally addressed that person and was very intentional, uh, uh, intentional of sh demonstrating that. <coughs> so, you know, again, just, just my little warning about, you know, technology and media and stuff. It can be a thief of your time, attention, and your relationships. So don't let it be, right? Don't let it be that. And again, this is a symptom. This is not, it's not the cell phone is the, is the worst thing that's ever been created in humanity. That's not the point of this talk. The point of this talk is there are things robbing you of your relationships. And one of those things could be media. One of them could be just a busy life. Don't let those things rob you of your, of your relationships uh, today, for the purpose of today, your relationships with, with those around you. Um, and... That's way too small for me to read right now. But uh, St. 
Tikhon of Zadonsk said, much effort and labor is needed for a man to be changed and to be the good tree that brings forth good fruit. Strive then for nothing else but to change, renew, and correct yourself and pray for this. And that's just, that's just to me a, a reminder that this doesn't come easy. It's not an easy thing I'm asking us to do. It's a difficult thing that I'm asking us to do because you're pulling yourself, you're extricating yourself from a difficult situation. But this kind of thing is, is done with effort. It's done through the grace of God. It's done through prayer. Um, and, you know, that's what I've been working on. It's not, certainly not perfect yet, but I'm working on it, right? And, um, you know, I think more than anything, what I wanted to stress today you know, and then other examples of Christ being very intentional, pulling Zacchaeus down from the tree and, and, and you know, focusing on him in a multitude of people, uh, going into the wilderness to pray. He intentionally would do this many times. So he would intentionally set some time aside for solitude, meditation, quiet, and, connect and connection to the Holy Spirit and to God. And we should do the same. We should be intentional on, on these things. So, again, um, that's really the point of the talk today is that um, I, I hope that uh, in some way we leave here today with a different intentionality, a different focus, and a re realization uh, of the importance of the relationships we have with those around us, both them seeing Christ in you and you seeing Christ in them. And uh, that's, that's all. So any thoughts? I'd love to hear them. Any criticisms or uh, uh, add-ons or just insight that would be helpful. Um, so that's all. Sorry. Oh yeah, the straw that broke the camel's back was was the was the cell phone. It's, it's for me. For me, it was just that last thing that I didn't need to add on to my busy life that I added onto my life. And I saw that it was taking away from my relationship with my kids and taking away from my relationship with my wife and you know, whoever else I was interacting with. It was robbing me of that. And again, th this thing is useful. You can do a lot of good stuff with it, but it can also be a thief. And so just be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, so Henry is asking what we can do to be intentional about relieving ourselves from the cell phone, for, for instance. You know, one of the gentlemen in the, in the, in the um, men's group uh, told us that when he gets home, he puts his cell phone uh, aside. He, like, almost, like lock, almost locks it up, but he just puts it aside and doesn't look at it until his, his children are sleeping. Right, and so he he he's very intentional about making sure that that's not something that's infringing on his time with his with his children. And it's not just about your children; it's your brother or sister, it's your parents, it's your it's your sorry spouse. I was getting there, Sam. <laughs> Hi, James. So no, but uh, so so that's that's one of the practical things you can do. You know, I mean, there's a whole host of other things you can do. Again, I'm not here to just extol the negative aspects of a cell phone, but I want you to think about those things in your life that are causing you to miss out on relationships. And it could be, it could be sports, right? It could be, well, you know, I, I, I'm dedicating all my life to being the best 
water polo player in the universe. And then, you know, you forget about your family. You don't spend time with them. You know, there's, there's a whole host of things that we use to fill our time. Um, and some of them are just we need to be aware that some of them are robbing us of our, our relationships with God, which we'll talk about maybe next time, um, and with others uh, this time. You know, one of the one of the fruits that came out of uh, trying to be a little bit more connected is I found out my son is actually somehow good at chess. So we 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 taught we taught him how to play, and now like I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but uh, like we play to a draw a lot of times, and uh, it's embarrassing for me because I'm ten times older than him, <laughs> but not ten times smarter apparently. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Any thoughts? Uh, Marchi, can you pray for us? You're you're wearing the black. I'm sorry. You just May Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, through the intercession of your saints, uh, Saint Mary, Saint Paul, 